Welcome one, welcome all to another episode of Strange Days. Alright, let's kick it off. Let's go in the folder 101, eh? Let's go see what we got lined up here. <clears throat> right. First up, a prophecy for America on the Jay Rogan show. He listens to Paul Harvey's prophecy. This one goes for about, um, actually, it's a quite a lengthy one, straight up, 10 minutes. Let's have a listen. Say it. You watch him say it in 1984, and well, back then... Well, you pull up the Paul Harvey? It reacts to a prophecy from 1965 about the fall of America. Check this out. Played it many times, but you need to hear it, because it's so wild to watch him say it. You watch him say it in 1984, and well, back then... Well, you pull up the Paul Harvey thing from whenever that was about maybe the let's devil. Maybe that. Pull that up, because I haven't heard that, and I've heard the Bedvinoff thing. We played it like five times, at least. Paul Harvey was a news broadcaster. He did a radio show every night, and I'm not sure... I couldn't find a whole lot about like how much of a person of faith he is, but from looking back at our country 80 to 90 years ago, or 80 to 60 years ago, it seems like faith was a lot more intrinsic in terms of where people were at. We reacted to... Hugh Hefner saying that, you know, culturally speaking, that before marriage was just a no-no. Yep. Right? And so I think th I think this is the wave, the fact that guests from the 40s to the 60s, 70s, before the sexual revolution, people were probably more religious. I don't know. I don't know if that means they knew Jesus, but they were, they seemed to be more religious. You know yep. what I mean? Go ahead. And Rogan, good. hold on, important to know, Rogan posted this on his Instagram. Really? Yes. Wow. That's, that's very that's interesting. Clear. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
but it also gives us a chance to right the ship. It hasn't hit the rocks yet. Paul Harvey. If I were the devil. Is this the thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The... So he I said a third about, of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. Was that, I'm just trying to do the numbers. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of the serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would also, them. So I'm, I'm really curious how Rogan feels about that part. Yeah. Right. If I was the devil, I would convince young people that the Bible is a myth. The man created God. Yeah. Right. Because he's he's I don't know if I've ever heard him say man created God, but he definitely doesn't take the Bible very seriously. Because he's also Joe Rogan is also the children that Paul Harvey is talking about in this. Which is good point. a crazy take. That's a good point. That is. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is his generation. What's bad uh -huh. is good and what's good is square. Mm. And the old I would teach to pray after me. Our Father, which art in Washington. Mm -mm -mm. And then I'd get organized. All the theolytical people are probably triggered by that. <laughs> All the theolytical people, go ahead. Authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. That's spooky, man. I mean, it's about the opiate epidemic. The opiate epidemic, but people are just doing pills now, casually taking Xanax and doing mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff, right? Molly. Oh, man. Ah. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families wow. <laughs> at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. Mm-hmm. Oof. That's your TikToks. Mm -hmm. That's your Instagram algorithms. That's right. Great. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild. Wow. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Holy shit. 1965. Uh, and they do 1965. They got on-campus police. Dog-sniffing. I mean, drug-sniffing dogs. <sighs> metal sectors. Within a decade... I'd have prisons overflowing. Uh. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Uh. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and uh. then from the houses of Congress. And wow. in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were wow. devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter okay. an egg. The whole bit about deifying science, though? Yeah. What has happened the last couple of years, right? We're the experts. We got this. You listen to us. You submit. I mean, Rogan, we, Rogan engages a lot in this stuff, yeah. right? So, yeah. 100%. It's like, it's like we have all these clips of Rogan going, uh, it's a myth. Mm -hmm. I can't believe people still believe that nowadays. Da -da -da. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. Egg and the symbol of Christmas, a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want it until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. That That is probably one of the best bars. If I was the devil, I would take from those who have, yep. give to those who wanted to kill the, those who are ambitious, take away the incentive for the ambitious. I mean, that is a lot of what our modern 
fiscal policy is moving towards. Mm. We're going to democratic socialism. Yeah, democratic socialism. We're going to tax the rich. We're going to de-incentivize entrepreneurship, de-incentivize small business, and we're going to give to those who feel entitled to get stuff. Crazy. Same. Well, you bet. I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I mean, that's the, the I don't know if folks know that gambling is a, uh, that's, that's it's federally funded. It's federally funded. funded. Fact, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in mm. patriotism, mm. in moral conduct. Vivek Ramaswamy has been pressed on denouncing white supremacy. And the reason why he refuses to denounce it is because he says, what do you mean by that? I denounce racism of all kinds against all people. Yeah. But they're like, no, denounce racism. And he's like, well, what do you mean by that? Because you can say uh, punctuality, work ethic uh-huh. in these oh, things. Because they make, the, they make the argument. Yeah. So he said, what definition are we going? Because if we're going off of Kimby's definition, you're insane. Yeah. Right? If you're going off of racism, I did, I denounce race, racism against, you know, every, he's like, he's like, I'm not going to play your game. And so it's interesting. Pull that back. L- l- listen to what he said. Uh, I would, I would go against extremes and hard work, hard work, patriotism, patriotism, moral conduct, moral conduct. All of this has been categorized as, as quote unquote white supremacy. Yeah. Patriotism, American nationalist, Christian nationalism, right? And I'm not saying I'm like, there's some, there's some wild stuff on the Christian nationalist side. I've engaged in some of the conversations. Some of the conclusions remind me of Handmaid's Tale. But patriotism, hard work has definitely been dismissed as white supremacy. Yep. Right? And what was the other one? It was patriotism. Uh, uh, moral conduct. More And moral conduct. Moral conduct. Uh, meritocracy, moral conduct. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go ahead. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned. Woo! That's <laughs> that swinging is more fun. That what you see on TV is the, is way, the to way to be. be. And thus I could undress you in public. Uh and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. And this is before the AIDS epidemic. This is crazy, bro. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Yeah. What year was that? Oh, 1965. That's amazing. He's 65. April 3rd, 1965, Paul Harvey nailed it. Yeah. Wow. So you can, you can use devil as a euphemism for anything that you want. Yeah. What? The, but the result's the same. And we're seeing it. We're, we're seeing that, you know, I think they said, or somebody said. That, he, was, he just said, he ended up like, I mean, you can use devil as a euphemism for anything you want. Yeah, that was kind of a weak. No, yeah, but it's like right after this whole thing of like arguing the fact that like if I were the devil, yeah. I would convince you that God doesn't exist. Right, 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 right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can use it for whatever you want. Yeah, that was <laughs> a, that's a, that's crazy. I think I'm curious, you know, like when you're confronted, and it, and I, this isn't their channel, but like someone titled it like prophecy. So I'm curious, you know, I don't I don't know what you call it, a prediction, a prophecy. Yeah, you know, but he's really spot on. Yeah, very, very, very spot on. So I'm, I'm I'm curious, and then for Rogan, pull up his Instagram real quick so we can show people that he, he just posted it. I'm I'm curious, like, how do you uh, how does he how does he process all this? You know, I mean, he has to to be aware of where things are going, or where things have gone, rather. Right there, look at that. What does he say? The recent uh, yeah. So he just he's posted a clip of it. He says, "If I were the Prince of Darkness, I'd want to." He just yeah. posted the original. He says, "Mr. Harvey's words describe our current times well." Wow. Although it has been over a half a century since the broadcast, Mr. Harvey's words describe a 
current time as well. The crazy part is, uh, is back to what we mentioned earlier, is that like he is the kids that yeah. Paul Harvey is talking about. Yeah, go, Google what year was Joe Rogan born. That would have been in the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, I think he's, cause he's like 50 now. 67. This was said in 65. Yeah, so he's literally, he's he's literally, literally the kids, the kids yeah. that Paul Harvey's talking about. Joe Rogan self-admits that, wow, he hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he would admit, oh, Paul Harvey hit the nail on the head with all of these things, but only through his cultural context of God at the time. Mm-hmm. Or is it reasonable to come to the conclusion that, like, Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Hm. I mean, the news is not going to show you this video. It's of cancer. Okay, this is a father talking about chemotherapy. It goes for three minutes. My name is Sergeant Rick Schiff. I'm an 11-year veteran of the San Francisco Police Department. I hold the department's highest medal of honor for bravery. That used to mean a lot more to me than it does now. What I'd like to talk to you about today is my now seven-year-old daughter. This is an identical twin. Her sister is now dead. Her sister, when she was four years old, Kristen, developed a highly malignant brain tumor that had spread throughout her spine and her brain. The doctors told us that we had really two options, take her home, let her die, or bring her in for massive dosages of chemo and radiation simultaneously. In either event, she was going to die. They were quite certain of that, and very quickly. Uh, Believing her only chance to be the standard route, we gave her the chemo and radiation. It burned her skull so bad she had second-degree burns and her hair never came back. To change her diapers, we had to wear rubber gloves because her urine was so toxic and it burned her. At the end of six months... Miraculously, she survived the standard treatment, although there was a high expectation she wouldn't. Um, She still had cancer. We were told, sorry, we've done everything we can. Now she's going to die, probably within a couple of months. My wife and I, choosing not to accept that, started reading. The first book I picked up, the third chapter, discussed Dr. Brzezinski. Um, As you may guess, I have some expertise in fraud. In fact, I'm quite certain there are enough attorneys in the room that I could be bordeered as an expert in fraud, and I conducted my own investigation. I have no doubt the man is not a fraud. I have no doubt that he does what he does out of earnest belief that his medicine works. And now you're in a position to judge for yourselves whether it works or not, but it's well established by the FDA that it's non-toxic. Eighteen months later, we took my daughter off the antineoplastin. She had not died. She had no signs of tumor. She remained free for 18 months of cancer. Within a month, the cancer was widespread in her brain. We put her back on Brzezinski's. By the way, the objections of our doctors for some reason felt that it had failed her. We put her back on. Within nine weeks, the tumor was completely gone. She died last July of neurological necrosis. Her brain fell apart from the radiation. The autopsy showed that she was completely cancer-free. Out of 52 cases of that disease ever, no one died cancer-free, just Chrissy. So she didn't die of a terminal illness. She died of my inability to care for her properly, and she died from bad advice. She died because there's a government institution that disseminates false information and is not looking out for the welfare of the people. 
You know, ladies and gentlemen, I swore an oath 11 years ago, and I think most of us in this room swore it at one time or another to uphold the Constitution. It says life right in the beginning. ...2023 defense budget is something very interesting indeed. In these documents is a proposal for something they are calling rapid healing for warfighter injuries. That is technologies that can rapidly accelerate the restoration and repair of complex tissues. The document goes on to say the program will develop approaches that combine high-resolution biosensors to track the healing process in real time with bioactuators to stimulate restoration where and when they are needed. This sounds very much like the concept of medbeds, a technology shown in movies like Elysium that can heal any illness or disease. Control. 432 hertz. This one's going to go for um, 10 minutes. 432 hertz and 444 hertz. Versus 440 hertz. What I am about to tell you might change the way you listen to music forever. Around 1885, the Music Commission of the Italian government declared that all instruments and orchestras should use a tuning fork that vibrated at 440 Hz, which was different from the original standard of 432 Hz used in France and throughout most of the world. In 1917, the American Federation of Musicians endorsed the Italians and began tuning in 440 Hz. Interestingly, in 1917, the United States officially entered World War I. Then in 1953, a worldwide agreement was signed between all nations. This frequency became the standard ISO 16 reference for tuning of all musical instruments. This tone standard is now accepted all over the world. It remains a mystery why this frequency was chosen in the first place. In fact, there are many people who disagree with this standard. They consider the 440 Hz, middle A, to be an abomination against nature. There are indeed clues that points to 432 Hz as a more natural frequency for the correct middle A, also known as Verdi's A, a pure tone of math fundamental to nature and is mathematically consistent with the patterns of the universe, vibrating with pi and the golden ratio. What is 440 Hz? 440 Hz is the unnatural standard tuning frequency removed from the symmetry of sacred vibrations and overtones. There is a theory that the change from 432 Hz to 440 Hz was dictated by Nazi propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels. Apparently, he used it to make people think and feel a certain manner and to make them a prisoner of their own consciousness. In a paper entitled Musical Cult Control, Dr. Leonard Horowitz writes, the music industry features a imposed frequency that is hurting populations into greater aggression, psychosocial agitation, and emotional distress, predisposing people to physical illness. Believe me, they know exactly what they are doing. They are successfully lowering the vibrations of not only the young generation, but the rest of us as well. If one should desire to know whether a kingdom is well governed, if its morals are good or bad, the quality of its music will furnish the answer. Confucius. You just have to go out into the street and take a look around. What do you see? School kids, young adults on their way to work, and what do they all have in common? iPhones or MP3 players? Ingenious, isn't it? These destructive frequencies entertain the thoughts towards disruption, disharmony, and disunity. They also stimulate the controlling organ of the body and the brain into disharmonious resonance, which ultimately creates mind control. 
Some suspect that the Rockefeller Foundation had an interest in making sure that the United States adopted the 440-hertz standard as part of a war on consciousness, leading to musical cult control. If you only knew the magnificence of the 3, 6, and 9, then you would have a key to the universe. We have been left the method of counting and measurement, and the importance of dividing a unit by 12 seems to be the main rule given that has been adopted by humanity. Here are some of the ways that I found 12 to be an important number. 12 months of the year, 12 hours of a clock, 12 inches to the foot, 12 apostles of Christ, 12 constellations of the zodiac, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 nights of the round table, and there's much more. What happens when you divide today's music standard of A, 440 Hz, by 12? 440 Hz divided by 12 equals 36.6666666666666667. So what happens when you divide A432 Hz, known as Verdi's A, an alternative tuning that is mathematically consistent with the universe, by 12? 432 Hz divided by 12 equals just 36. I heard it said perfectly that 440 Hz is pretending to be sacred geometry. What I'm saying to you is you should give it to somebody that don't know any better because that's a fugazi. Alright? 440 Hz is the closest one can come to the real thing while still being an imposter. 432 Hz divided by 12 equals 36. 3 plus 6 equals 9. 432 Hz equals 369. There are two ways of expressing the same thing. Next, let's look further into how the 432 Hz frequency is in time itself. Is our number system and method of timekeeping entirely based on 432 Hz, 9 base mathematics? How many seconds are in 12 hours? 43,200. That's 432. Divide or multiply a whole unit by 12. So 60 seconds times 12 equals 43,200 seconds. 36 times 12 equals 432. 36.666 times 12 equals 440. Interesting, isn't it? They are all related. They are perfect musical overtones of one another. Now check this out using vortex-based mathematics. 1 times 12 equals 12. 1 plus 2 equals 3. 2 times 12 equals 24. 2 plus 4 equals 6. 2 times 12 equals 24. 3 times 12 equals 36. 3 plus 6 equals 9. 4 times 12 equals 48. 4 plus 8 equals 12. 1 plus 2 equals 3. 5 times 12 equals 60. 6 plus 0 equals 6. 6 times 12 equals 72. 7 plus 2 equals 9. Now if you keep on going, you'll notice that our number system is all 3, 6, and 9, repeating forever. The numerical coincidences are too compelling. All over the world and for thousands of years, humanity has received certain number sequences. 108, 144, 360, 369, 432, 1080, but why? What is it about these numbers that jars something so deep within us that we incorporate them into our myths and spiritual beliefs? The answer could be in frequency harmonics. We measure sound frequencies and vibration cycles per second, and the numbers listed above, when played as frequencies, just happen to mirror the exact harmonic patterns found in nature.
Music based on 432 hertz transmits beneficial healing energy because it is a pure tone of math fundamental to nature. Classical music such as Beethoven was created using 432 hertz and research shows that this type of music helps plants grow faster and healthier. 432 hertz is a harmonic of light frequency. It speaks and resonates directly with our cells. All cells communicate with each other via infrared light. So imagine, when they receive music in 432 hertz, they are in joy. The conscious mind may not be aware of this, but most of what goes on in our bodies is subconscious. Sound in the air may be defined as the transfer of periodic movements between adjacent colliding atoms or molecules. Research says that music tuned from this frequency is easier to listen to, brighter, clearer, and contains more inherent dynamic range. As a result, music with this tuning does not need to be played at higher volumes, and this reduces the risk of hearing damage. Cosmic harmonious frequencies related to the 432 Hz frequency and its importance in the creation of physical reality from light and sound. Is it possible that over the course of thousands of years, we have somehow been guided in the process of creating this new form of communication? And if so, what type of information will we learn from it that could not be expressed in any other way? The underlying primary psychic reality is so inconceivably complex that it can be grasped only at the farthest reach of intuition, and then but very dimly. That is why it needs symbols. This is the biggest mystery. This universal truth was not available to the people of this planetary system. It is now finally being received on this planet by deep seekers of the truth and ready to receive it. Throughout history, numerous clues and hints regarding geometry and frequency have been staring at us, calling to us, and waiting for us to put them into place like pieces of a giant jigsaw puzzle. Here at the dawn of a new age, this sonic geometric puzzle is finally nearing completion revealing the building blocks of a language based on the energy, frequency, and form. Now, how do we tell the rest of the world that we need to reset the international concert pitch back to A432 Hz? Many people might say that this is nothing and barely noticeable, but why would they go through so much trouble to have this frequency change worldwide when some of the greatest classical music was created using 432 Hz? If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And your children are turned into mindless vassals who, who now they, they look up to some twit instead of looking up to Thomas Jefferson or, or looking up to Nikola Tesla or looking up to, uh, to Magellan. I mean, kids, Magellan's a lot cooler than Justin Bieber.
information becomes available. Yeah. This one goes for quite some time. I'm going to play five minutes of this. This is by um, it's Christina, Christina Gomez. She goes into this bloody thing about the jellyfish UFO freaking floating around here and there. So let's have a look. Like, none of this is smoking gun evidence of anything. But we can try to look for corroborating evidence of these kinds of instances in other parts of the world at different points in time. And I came across some really interesting things. So let me bring in my co-host, Jimmy Church of Fade of Black Radio. Jimmy, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Now, here, hello, everyone. How you doing? Great show. Uh, you you just answered my question, and I think you, you did that on purpose because you knew I was going to. So I don't have to ask where you got the idea for today's show. Um, yeah, this is blowing up in, in social media, and uh, I agree with you. Uh, I've been getting the same prompts and questions and emails and texts. You know, what do I think? And I'm just going to leave it right there for now. But historically, we've got a lot of things that point at uh, stuff in this direction. Um, so we're going to go through all of that today. Um, I, can, I, let me, you just did your disclaimer. I'm going to do uh, my disclaimer too. But this show uh, and my comments uh in no way endorses disproves proves anything that is out there in in social media right now i don't want to make uh those i don't want people to make those connections for me jimmy says or jimmy said because i don't know i don't know the the jellyfish video uh, i'll just make this comment to me when i look at it it doesn't change dimension or view in the 3d space right it's it's like it, it it moves with the the camera and it doesn't it, it, you don't see the back you don't see you know you, it doesn't change dimension in the 3d landscape uh, to me from what i've seen it's very fuzzy but it just seems like it's you know what i mean it's 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 with the camera so i don't know I, I don't know. And I do want to see this footage of it allegedly going in and out of the water because that would uh, change this discussion completely and, and change it for me too as well. So that being said, let's go. Let's go. Where do you want to start? Well, I have some really interesting videos as well and I'm excited to share. But first, before we even get into it, I have a poll up on YouTube right now if you are watching this live. And we already have 128 votes. That's really awesome. And the question here is, what do you think the jellyfish UFO is? 25 so far say it's extraterrestrial biological entity. 37% say entity tech from another dimension. 5% say gin, paranormal, supernatural. And 33% say balloons, trash, drone, man-made. That poll will be up until the very end of the show. So if you think you might have an answer, just click up one of those and we will read the results at the very end. So I think a great place to start, Jimmy, is actually going to as far back as we can in history 
on where maybe alleged jellyfish UFOs have been mentioned or depicted. And I came across this and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is almost a little too interesting. So I want to share my screen here of this image. And I'm Jimmy, I'm going to let you point it out. I'm, I'm going to see if you can see what I'm seeing. So here's the image. And I'll give you some details. But if yes. I just zoom in just a touch, what are we seeing right here? This is uh, on both sides. That's It's on both sides. It's on both sides of the crucifixion. Um, just get a quick idea of the date of this actual painting. It's two jellyfish on both sides of it. There's an orange one, too, on the left as well. Flying in the air. It's a very famous painting. And a lot of ufologists, ancient alien theorists, uh, including myself, um, have looked at this image for a long time and used this to support uh, the idea that something was strange in the skies back then. This image, uh, the artist is unknown. It's about a thousand years old. Okay, so. Okay, there you go. We'll be publishing this one anyway. So I just wanted to give you a taste. Israel Hamas war, day 97. Britain, US strike Iranian backed Horthus in Yemen after months of attacks on Red Sea ships. What's going on with the sun? Some interesting things have been seen with that thing lately. What's going on with the deers? Some interesting up, things folks? have been seen about up, that Patriots? lately. Um, look, we all know where this green movement is going. We know the direction. We know the trajectory where they want to take all of this. I just am asking you to put Seven on your tinfoil conspiracy thinking cap on for just a moment. Because I came across an article that grabbed my attention. Uh, it's about zombie deer disease. Now, at first you might hear that and think to yourself, well... This is by a guy by the name, he goes by Nino, N-I-N-O. That's ridiculous, and you start laughing. When you understand that lots of beef is being recalled right now, uh, there was about almost 6,000 6, pounds of ground-up beef one company had to uh, recall. Um, and through the past, we've seen other companies recall their meat as well. So with that in mind, and we know that they want us eating petri-grown meat, beef grown in the laboratories. Is it a far-fetched far idea to think maybe, just maybe, they can implement some kind of disease in our wildlife, in our national parks, um, paint our meat, and even, even the deer? Because, you know, how many times have you heard somebody say, ah, well, if they get the meat, I know how to hunt. If they get to our cattle, I know how to hunt. I'm going to go out and shoot deer. I'm going to be fine. Right? That's what I've heard too. Well, not so fast because could this be a prelude? Now, I'm asking you to think think about this with me for a second. Could this be a prelude to the zombie apocalypse? Now, you may you may start laughing, but just just stick with me on this. Zombie deer disease, a mad cow like infection spreading in the US explained. So this is a mad cow-like infectious disease that could turn the brains of deer, elk, and moose into Swiss cheese, folks. A mad cow-like infectious disease that can turn the brains of deer, elk, and moose into Swiss cheese is spreading in at least 24 states. And some experts are warning that it could eventually make its way into humans. Let me read that again. Experts are warning. What experts are warning? 
that it could eventually make its way to humans. How convenient. How convenient, especially in 2024, 24 states. Look, I, I'm just, I'm asking you to bear with me on this. Leave your tinfoil thinking caps on and just let me finish this article. Known as chronic wasting disease, the fatal progressive neurodegenerative illness was first identified in the late or in the 1960s. Like mad cow, the disease is spread by prions, the zombie-like pathogenic proteins that aren't alive and can't be killed. When they infect an animal, they eat away at its brain, causing a cascade of symptoms that resemble dementia and eventually lead to death. While the disease is still rare, researchers believe it's more widespread than ever, due in part to how humans treat deer and other hooved mammals. When are we going to start seeing the zombies, folks? When are we going to start seeing people drool at the mouth, foam at the mouth? I mean, we're already seeing aliens in the, in the, in the shopping malls, right? I don't think this is too far-fetched. What we've seen over the last few decades is that slowly spreading in wild deer populations, said Peter Larson, assistant professor in veterinary sciences at the University of Minnesota who has been studying the pathogen. It's also spreading among captive deer, elk, and reindeer, which are transported around the country and overseas to hunting ranches. I have friends that go hunt at these ranches, folks. Petting zoos and Christmas-themed farms. That's how the disease ended up in South Korea, Larson said. It's been identified in Canada and Norway, too. When new outbreaks start, they're virtually impossible to contain because unlike viruses and bacteria, prions can't be killed. That's also no good way to find them. There's also no good way to find them. So we're talking about an indestructible killer pathogen that could be lurking anywhere. I just think that this is a ticking time bomb. And when you know the agenda, folks, when you understand the agenda of growing our meat in a Petri dish, and who owns that? Well, I can't say his name because it is fluff tube. But you all know who owns that, who's got that business cornered. Researchers have long wondered whether the disease, the disease like mad cow can make the leap into humans. Mad cow in people is known as variant Kutzfeldt's Jacob disease. I think I said that right. I'm not sure. Late last summer, we got preliminary and a, fr and a frightening answer in paper published, published in the journal Emerging Infectious Diseases. Researchers from Scotland and Canada showed via an experiment in a Petri dish that prions from sick animals can indeed infect human cells. This really raised my antennas, folks. When I, when I, when I came across this article, I uh, really started thinking to myself, wow, how convenient. Zombie deer disease infects humans. And then we have zombie humans. And how many times have you seen movies, predictive programming is what I call it, that are kind of pushing us in this direction, pushing our consciousness into this direction? Since then, there's, no, there's been no direct evidence of human disease, even in people who ate meat that later tested positive for the pathogenic, pathogenic prions. Still, the experiment research spurred Michael Osterholm, director of the Center of Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, to compare chronic wasting disease to mad cow recently. I think uh, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before this disease spreads to humans. I, I just, I, I, I think it's very likely. Now, I'm not trying to be a, uh, uh, you know, doomsday Dave here, but I think it's important we pay attention to things like this. What is zombie deer disease? Scientists don't know where the name zombie deer disease emerged. Instead, they refer to chronic wasting disease a fatal progressive 
neurodegenerative illness believed to affect deer, elk, reindeer, and moose. It was discovered and farmed at deer in Colorado in the 1960s, and it's been intriguing scientists ever since. The disease is caused by prion, which are not viruses or bacteria. Prions are almost indestructible pathogen proteins that trigger cells, particularly in the brain and spinal cord, to fold abnormally and start clumping. When that happens, the infected animals begin to develop an array of awful symptoms, dementia, hallucinations, and difficulty walking and eating. The animals eventually become wobbly and disoriented. Those symptoms worsen over time, and since there's no cure, they always lead to death. I don't know, folks. I, I have to say here that uh, keep your eyes and ears open, folks. Zombie deer disease, a mad cow-like infection spreading in the U.S. When you understand what they're trying to do, trying to, and that's why they're pushing into these these agendas like it's too hot outside. I got to be careful what I say here. Um, got to take care of the planet. Got to stop eating meat. Cows fart. Is it too far-fetched to say maybe, just maybe, this right here can be a prelude to leading to something else? I don't know. Uh, I lay it out for you all to play it out. Give me your thoughts down below. Uh, this is just another update. Uh, folks, I, I, I uh, nothing surprises, in me, uh, surprises me anymore, and I think this could very well be something. And uh, give me your thoughts down below. Leave a comment, and uh, please like and subscribe and share. Thank you. Sort of goes on to the next level, doesn't it? Problem, reaction, solution. <laughs> Just on the an animal, animal sphere. Yeah. Well, this is a bit of a sobering sort of matter I'm going to go into now. It's about child trafficking for five minutes. Now, it's not something we really want to bloody um, hear about, but I think we do need to hear it. And it says here, um, this is by, uh, what's his name? He goes by the name of, Mustang medic, child traffic, trafficking, what you need to know, the numbers are staggering. All right. I'll and let you know what I learned. A child that's a victim of child trafficking is a child that was convinced to leave their home or persuaded to leave their home, was then taken away from their family and then trafficked for either labor and unfortunately really sad for sexual purposes it's a very serious subject and it can't be ignored you'll see when you see the numbers at the end of this video on how bad it truly is it is also an economic crime especially in our southern border right now and that's why the democrats should be very ashamed for ignoring this situation i'm not saying all democrats are doing that but a great number of them are ignoring it and supposedly camilla harris uh, kamala harris is supposed to be handling that. Joe Biden put her in charge of that, I believe, a couple of years ago. And I think she's visited the border once and has not addressed the issue. And, of course, the big cities and some suburbs are experiencing the inflow of massive migration over the past three years. Staggering numbers. President Trump did a great job in cutting back on migration. And yes, I do believe walls work. So does Nancy Pelosi, because that's what she has in her backyard. The children that are getting trafficked are often told that they have to go to pay off family debts to the cartels and other organizations along the southern border. It's going, it's like this worldwide, but it's right now happening at the southern border in staggering numbers.
There are ways to spot child trafficking, and here's a few examples. Their parents or guardians are nowhere to be seen and are at factories or even brothels. They have money that they normally wouldn't have or workplace accidents. The child gives a prepared story that's said by other children. I know this is heartbreaking information, but we need to keep our eyes open so we can help these victims. When a child is held captive in these situations, it can be very detrimental, not only to their mental health, but to their physical health. They may also be suffering from the effects of abuse and neglect. I'm gonna put my glasses on again and read it because I wanna make sure that this is totally accurate. An estimated 1.2 million children are trafficked each year. In 2021, there was only 5,260 convictions throughout the world. Does that stagger the, the imagination that that many, I mean, 1.2 million documented in 2021 and only 5,260 convictions throughout the world, throughout the world. My heart goes out to these kids. We have to keep our eyes open and do something to save these children. There are many different movements. And if they're about saving kids, I'm with you. Know that. And this is also very important. I want to make sure I read it so I get it right. Yeah, I don't know. His name's Mustang uh, Medic. He's got like a goatee. Yeah, he'd probably be in his 60s, maybe roughly. Um, sort of like a fair paled cowboy hat. Yeah, I'm not sure. The National Center for Missing Exposure. Yeah, it doesn't actually say his name, eh? Yeah, really weird. Yeah, they usually do on here. But he, it just goes by his nickname. I'm not sure if he's out of a movie. It's quite possible. To report a missing or abused child, there is assistance that is available at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They are available 24-7. The hotline number is 800-843-5678. So I, I put a graphic in there so you can make sure you get the number right. Again, it's 800-843-5678. The problem cannot be ignored. And the fact that the southern border is letting in so many people and the Democrats are dropping the ball on this. They should be, again, ashamed of themselves for what their policies are and the lack of protection for these children on the southern border, for all of them, for women, for men. This is one of the reasons why we have to make sure we get President Trump in office. If we have the same policies for the next four years, we're going to have 20 million people in here, and God knows how many are actually child trafficked. The truth shall set us free. This is William Weeding. There you go. From Mustang Medic. Thank you very much for how much you're supporting the channel. Please like, share, and comment. Look at our website. It's got all the links for our social media. And know that we're going to talk about the hard subjects and we're going to talk about the light subjects. But we're always going to report the truth. Thank you very much for watching. Ah, so I thought that was his nick, William Weeding. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure that actor's name if it was the same guy though. This is just something going on down here. This woman's um 
been talking about the corruption with this sort of issues as well here in Australia. Um, she only goes for about a minute and 20, but um, this is the strike I just received on my YouTube channel for violating their policies on harmful conspiracy theories. It's for this pretty benign one minute, 18 second video introduction to my 50 voices of ritual abuse testimony. They're probably trying to get rid of my channel before I do another update on the case of the missing Beaumont children on Australia Day, 26th of January. I'm surprised my YouTube channel lasted this long. Um, if you are subbed on to my YouTube channel, then please move over to BitChute or Rumble channel instead. Okay. This lady, um, she come out about the Baymont children and the involvements and shenanigans going on there. This is Rachel Volham, V-A-U-G-H-A-N. I've been involved in the 50 Voices of Ritual Abuse Project, which is an incredible project to bring together the voices of 50 ritual abuse survivors from all across the world, different backgrounds, different generations, different countries, speaking different languages all with very similar experiences. Um, it is, you know, an amazing thing to be part of, and I, my heart goes out to those who have put this together. The survivors involved are basically ones that have already spoken out, like myself, or have been referred to the project coordinators because we know of their validity and, and they've been referred by other survivors like myself. It's an incredible group of people. So my testimony of 11 minutes has been released on the website, evoices.org, as well as um, on their many channels. And they, you know, there's this beautiful group of people who've put this together. They've obviously been working very, very hard behind the scenes to make sure that it gets out as far as possible. So if you would like to see my 11 minute testimony, I can't put it up on YouTube, but it is available on BitChute and Rumble on my channels. So if you would like to look in the description box below, you'll find the links. Yeah, a little bit croaky that one, but it's um just just listenable for sure. There's um in the breaking news the claim that ten countries participated in the strikes in Yemen. The countries include Australia, Bahrain, Canada, Denmark, Germany, Netherlands, New Zealand, South Korea, United Kingdom, and the United States. The esoteric religion of the Aryan Magi. From the Nuremberg laws. Now this one Germany. goes for too long, so I'm going to play you five minutes of this one. The esoteric religion of the Aryan Magi by Robert Seffer. He bestowed their seal of racial purity on the Iranian kingdom. The Nuremberg laws that had made anti-Semitism the law of the land were amended, which included Persian Jews. Iranians formally educated in 1936 were to be considered as Aryan as any full-blooded German. In fact, in 1936, Hitler's cabinet issued a Nazi directive that exempted Iranian Jews from wearing the Yellow Star of David. Hitler personally promised that if he defeated the Soviet Union, he would return all of the Persian land taken by Russians during the 19th and 20th centuries. In 1939, Germany provided Iran with the so-called German Scientific Library. The library contained over 7,500 books selected to, quote,
convince Iranian readers of the kinship between the National Socialist Reich and the Aryan culture of Iran. What was at the root of Germany's close historic ties to Iran, and why were they thought by the Ananurbe to be descended from ancient Aryans? In his 1896 book called The Swastika, the earliest known symbol and its migrations, Thomas Wilson, curator of the Department of Prehistoric Anthropology in the U.S. National Museum, wrote, quote, An Aryan symbol used by the Aryan peoples before their dispersion through Asia and Europe. This is a fair subject for inquiry and might serve as an explanation how, as a sacred symbol, the swastika might have been carried to the different people and countries in which we now find it by the splitting up of the Aryan peoples and their migrations and establishment in the various parts of Europe. But who were these Aryan people? Where did they come from? And what exactly was the meaning behind the symbol itself? Magi of ancient Iran, Zorvan is both the sun god and the god of time and space. Neither good or evil, but completely neutral, the primordial keeper of balance, neutrality, and in charge of the flow of time throughout all of existence. Zorvan's true form is absolutely incomprehensible to any mortal, but is sometimes depicted as Father Time, an old man with a long, silver beard. Zervan is the androgynous parent to equal but opposite twins, Arua Mazda and Angra Mainu, also called Ariman. Arua Mazda is the sky god of the ancient Iranian religion of Zoroastrianism, where Arura means lord and Mazda means wisdom. Ariman is the destructive or evil spirit in the Zoroastrian religion which is locked in an ongoing struggle with Arura Mazda, which lasts for 12,000 years, when at the end, the evil creation is destroyed. Zuravan developed into the Hellenistic Ion, the Alexandrian god of eternity, who was at the head of the divine hierarchy in Mithraism, regulating the revolution of the stars, and often depicted as a nude male figure with a lion's head, the serpent coiled six times around his body, which was also covered with zodiacal signs and the emblems of the seasons. Lord of the four elements, he rules over four winds, or four directions, and the four seasons, which are sometimes also represented by four seasonal solar deities depicted in the four corners of his icons, or symbolized by his four wings. 
Okay, that one's going to be a published one, so I just want to give you a taste of what's coming up on that one. It'll just be bloody doing that one on its own. Goes too long. Goes too long. Can't do it. Cannot be done. Spot that's quite large. Carlos also. Uh. Okay. There's something. Let's have a look at this. Yeah. All right. Let's give this a go. This is what's happening in Florida. Ten-foot alien creatures. Now this. Check this out. What is going on in Florida? What's up, guys? Hope everybody's doing well and having a great day. As you guys all know, I'm sure you've heard of by now the what they're calling 10-foot alien creature spotted at a mall in Miami. Not quite sure what to make of it. I haven't seen any conclusive video footage yet supporting those claims. However, I did receive today from eight different people, eight different observations from people that do not know each other from north central Florida of what looks like some sort of an invasion of mysterious crafts in the north central Florida sky. We'll come back and take a look at this exceptional footage. I've got photos and videos to share with you guys. But first over here at the homepage of the website, today's feature photo was sent in by Jeannie Landon. Not sure of the location, but she noticed what looked like a big V in the daytime sky. That's what compelled her to take that exceptional photo. Looking at the GOES X-ray flux over here at the Space Weather Prediction Center, multiple M-class solar flares in the last 24 hours. Looking at the Earth-facing side of the sun, it is loaded with active regions and sunspots and have more turning towards the Earth right now as I do this video. Also looking at the Earth-facing side of the sun, this video was sent in by Carlos Skywatcher from yesterday's Earth-facing side of the sun. Close-up view of of sunspots in active regions and this is where the M-class solar flare activity is originating from. The Earth-facing side of the sun is loaded with active regions and sunspots and again there's more coming around the southeastern limb of the sun as you can see a close-up view. This is an exceptional video by Carlos Skywatcher out of Portugal. Here comes that new sunspot that's quite large. Carlos also sent in these photos from three years apart. The photo on the left is from 2021. The photo on the right is from just a few days ago, January 8th of 2024. And he noticed the sun was in a different position exactly three years apart. In 2021, the sun was setting on the right side of the tree. In 2024, he noticed the sun was setting on the left side of the tree. Carlos monitors sunsets every single day from Portugal. If anybody on Earth would notice a change in the position of the sunset, it would definitely be Carlos Skywatcher. He films the sunset every day from Portugal. Good observation, Carlos. Thanks for sharing. Looking at the power outage situation over here at poweroutage.us, slowly getting the power back on. Still have over 50,000 customers without electricity in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, and Michigan. There's also power outages up in Idaho. I received a stunning photo sent in by Amanda Martinez, and this is the road that she lives on, and they are currently without power from storms that went through on January 9th of 2024. These 
these are power poles, a hundred power poles laying down in the middle of the road. That's going to take some time to, to get the power back on. So once again, what we're looking at here in one direction, those are power poles that were obviously affected by high winds that went through Idaho just a couple of days ago, around 48 hours ago. So big storms here in the last 72 hours west of the Mississippi and east of the Mississippi. I have more storm footage. This one here is by Mandy out of Tifton, Georgia from January 9th, the same day those poles were blown over in Idaho. This is down in Georgia. Looks very similar to a scene we would see during a tropical storm. This was two days ago, January 9th. And going from Georgia to North Carolina, video footage sent in by Lorelei from January 9th out of Shooting Creek, North Carolina. You can see the creek was overflowing out of its banks. Scott Alderfer, a star family member out of Pennsylvania, was driving in the storm, and you can see the rain was coming down extremely heavy. Almost looked like he was driving through a tropical storm. This was one very big storm system that covered many hundreds of miles moving from Florida all the way up to Maine. So once again, they're slowly but surely getting the power back on. Looking at the, the earthquake situation, this is highly unusual. I am in the middle of Louisiana. Louisiana is not necessarily known for its earthquakes, but here in the last 48 hours, there have been three earthquakes ranging from a 2.3, a 2.8, and yet another 2.8. Very shallow earthquakes in Louisiana, south and east of Shreveport, right here in this location. Once again, a highly unusual location for earthquake activity. And while I'm thinking about it, if you're a subscriber, make sure you're still subscribed. I'm still getting comments from people saying that they were, for whatever reasons, unsubscribed from my YouTube channel. So if you're a subscriber, double check, make sure you're still subscribed and make sure that bell is activated next to the subscribe button. That way you'll get notified each time I upload a new video. And if you're a new viewer and you would like to see more videos in the future, by all means, subscribe to the channel and activate that bell next to the subscribe button. Okay, I want to take you guys now down to Florida, where Florida's seen a lot of mysterious activity here the last couple of weeks. And this is even more mysterious. This kind of adds another layer to something mysterious going on down in Florida. However, I feel that these photos and videos that you're about to see do reveal something very mysterious. And these photos and videos have credibility. These were spotted by too many people across north central Florida on January 10th of 2023. Video here out of Titusville by Nancy, who was driving down the road, looked up and noticed some unusual cloud configurations in the sky that just didn't look natural. And you're going to see some here in just a moment that are totally unnatural. You can see what drew her attention to the sky was the big obvious V in the sky. And then this thing over here to the left. Here in just a second, as she's driving down the road, she says, I think we've got visitors. And as you're going to see here, viewer number two noticed the same thing. KD out of Florida, more than likely north central Florida. Check this out. They too started filming the sky as it looked super unusual on January 10th around 4.30, 5 o'clock in the evening. Looked like something entered the sky and this thin layer of clouds revealed the shape of these structures or potential structures that entered the sky. Maybe some sort of flying crafts. Almost looks like some sort of an invasion and the clouds were revealing these things that entered the sky. Ocala, Florida. David, also on January 10th. He too noticed something in the sky that just didn't look right. And again, these people don't know each other. They just happened to notice the same thing.
if anyone's going to talk about a nuclear um, attacker, I want to hear it from this guy. He's so casual. Well, today it looks like we've had uh, five nuclear strikes coming down on the... Um, ...things in the sky, took photos... Might be an invasion, kind of looks like it. ...observations, shared them with me, and I'm sharing them with you guys, and they are indeed highly mysterious. you got to ask yourself, what are these things, and, and how does that happen unless there was something in the sky that caused the clouds to behave that way and, and turn into some sort of a what looks like an intelligently designed craft that went through the clouds leaving behind <laughs> that signature in the sky and coming up this is viewer number four once again from north central florida damon out of gainesville florida looked up and noticed the same thing these look very symmetrical they almost look like they're the same equal distance apart from each other um, they're in a straight line whatever they were looks like something entered the sky through the clouds and left behind that what looks like a perfect rectangle, a rounded rectangle in the sky, like you see here out of Summerfield, Florida. Photos sent in by John from January 10th. All of this activity was noticed on January 10th of 2024. Look at that. That just does not look natural. How does something like that happen? And that's what compelled these people to, to take the photos and videos of the sky. It almost looked like they had been invaded on the <laughs> evening of January 10th of 2024 by something that left those strange signatures in the cloud cover above north central Florida. Here's another viewer, Andrew, out of Florida. Not sure of the exact location, but it kind of looks like north central Florida because it looks like he saw the same exact thing another viewer saw. Looks like a, a long, thin sub sandwich up in the sky. Doesn't look natural. Viewer number seven, viewer from Newberry, Florida, also on January 10th at around the same time up near the Gainesville, Florida area. Looked like multiple objects entered the sky through the thin layer of clouds, leaving behind these weird holes in the sky that just didn't look natural. Those look long and linear, obviously, like some sort of a, a long tubular craft may have entered the sky in multiple locations above Newberry, Florida. Once again, in the Gainesville, Florida area, these are photos. That was a video of what the, the viewer saw from the Newberry, Florida area. These are photos of the, the same section of sky that was apparently influenced by something that was possibly long and tubular. And again, these were witnessed by multiple people across north central Florida, and there were multiple observations of these types of signatures in the sky that just did not look natural. They looked like they were created by some sort of a structure that entered the sky. This one here is super unique, almost looks like a footprint in the clouds, as you can see here from the same viewer near Newberry, Florida, in the Gainesville area, looking off in the distance. This is like the, the third or fourth time we've seen this one here. It looks like a, a long tube in the sky above north central Florida. Now we're going to St. Augustine, Florida, a few hours later. This is also in north central Florida along the east coast of Florida, St. Augustine. Video footage sent in by KT from 1-11 of 2024. The original video is over here on the left. That's how far away this object was. I zoomed in over here on the right. This is super weird. Looks like some sort of a flaming cross, a, a flaming diamond, however you want to interpret this thing. Oh, he's just going to keep on going on and on about it. Who's going to bring up the freaking um, bloody repos? Bloody hell. A little bit disappointing there, to be honest with you. Let me down. 
So let me down, I think. Thing I see. Yeah, what have I got here? We have these people of lower IQ who are totally dependent. What's this dude on about? Fluoride. Here we go. We have a little listen to fluoride for a couple of minutes, eh? We have this mass of people who are going to believe anything they're told because they can't really think clearly. And very few people of very high IQ who have good cognitive function who can figure this all out. And that's what they want. Why they are so insistent in spending so many hundreds of millions of dollars of propaganda money to dumb down society. And they were suffering from that because there was so much fluoride in the water. So the leading cause of people, for example, when they get over 65 and they start developing uh, arthritis, osteoporosis, you know, all of these things, they're building up fluoride in their body and their body gets, starts to get fluoridosis. When they start to develop fluoridosis, right, their bones become brittle and they start to basically almost fall apart. So if that person, for example, takes a fall at the age of, let's say, 65, 66, 67, they are more likely to break a bone or break a hip or break something because they have the fluoridosis going on in their bones. I'm a board-certified neurosurgeon. I'm retired from active practice. Now I do primarily research in neurosciences. Uh, there's no modern evidence whatsoever that fluoridating water produces cavities at all. So you have to ask the question, why are you still fluoridating water? Now, not only does that uh, produce lethargy, apathy, uh, weakness, tiredness in adults, but if you do it in pregnant women, the babies are born with low IQs, and they never recover. We're developing a society because of all of these different toxins known to affect brain function. We're seeing a society that not only has a lot more people of lower IQ, but a lot fewer people of higher IQ. In other words, a dumbing down, a chemical dumbing down of society. So everyone's sort of mediocre. That leaves them dependent on government. We've got some rather profound problems with fluoridation that are now well documented uh, uh, from laboratories all over the world uh, without any question. For instance, one of them Dr. Varner did uh, out of Europe in which he looked at 0.5 parts per million, which is half of what's put in there, and found significant death of neurons in the brain and damage to the blood vessels that supply blood to the brain. Spill psychiatrist. Trying to find Google. Okay. Yeah, Miami's an interesting one, that's for sure. There's been a couple of things that come out about it. One of them was the um the big ball of light, about six foot radius. Um probably about a, yeah, about eight foot uh, eight ten foot circumference it sort of started from near nothing to come out. People started running off about that little character thing turning up. Like the old um, speculated um Stargate or wormhole. Then there was another gentleman that was um, that come on, and he said he was actually there within about ten feet of three of them, nine foot, um, long legged, um, long armed, little headed freaks. And he said they were sort of like pixelating, like they were coming in and out. Um, he explained it in a certain way, like that. It was sort of like they were sort of here, and then they sort of, sort of. How did he explain it? I've, I put him on anyway yesterday, I think it was, or the day before anyway. Going into his encounter with these three was him and his family, actually, so it was other people witnessing it with him, apparently. Apparently. You know what you can believe these days. 
everyone wants their five minutes of fame, I guess. This is all speculation, of course, and just people saying that they've actually seen these things, three of them. Another lady took a video of one of them um, outside. That's getting around as well. I've got all these if anyone wants any of them. Um, so she's got one of them caught on video there. It's a bit shady, you know, but um, it's there. Um, another eyewitness said that the kids were mucking around with this thing that looked like a CD player with a glass on the bottom and a glass on top before all this sort of shenanigans happened. Um, another lady switched over the um, longitude and latitude coordinates of Miami and it matched exactly to the coordinates of the Antarctica, just back the front, which she speculates that they come through the wrong porthole where they should have went to Antarctica, where it's speculated these tall beings or whatever they are live, or humanoids, the lizards. So they come through the wrong porthole, another speculation, another theory. Um, all the police cars shutting down the airports and all those sort of shenanigans was a little bit suspicious when it come to the police. Um, what was the other one? There was another one about it as well. Um, someone reported one. Yeah, that was that woman, I think, that actually got it on video. So he's pretty much saying it, it was like, um, oh, another theory was because of our mass, I don't know if you put it down to the photon belt or the mass ejection, corona ejections or sunspots that we've had lately, that they're always around us. And we're only just seeing it because our perception, it's like a veil has been lifted. And they were in as much shock as we were of them because they just like to come and gather in the malls and that and just watch us as like little specimens, I guess, like little ants running around, admiring us like people in a cage, I guess, at a zoo. And they were just as much shocked because the veil was rent in two and we could actually see through theirs and they couldn't believe it either. <laughs> so, peekaboo, I see you. So there's a, quite a few little speculations, a couple of pictures there. There's got the one of the light ball on um, candid camera. You've got the lady singly that took a picture as well. You've got the aerial view, which that's sort of been a bit denied that it could have been three people going up the stairs or a shadow reflecting off one person. So that one sort of got debunked a little bit, the one near the police cars. And that pretty much, I reckon, covered pretty much most of it there around what I've got. I've got the pictures and people talking about it. That guy, like he reckoned he was only about 10 foot away from him. So it's pretty, probably over-exaggerated there. It's probably more like 15 or 20. It's pretty bloody close. <laughs> 10 foot away, I think you'd get a pretty good detail. Said they had eyes. I don't think he mentioned a mouth or anything like that. But um, humanoid, just long legs and all that sort of stuff, real, really thin. And three of them. So put all that together, that's pretty much what I've come up with about the Miami aliens. <laughs> the lizards. All right, next. R&R, what's he got to say tonight? Ah, oh, forget this one. Ah, oh, no, no, I remember that one. That one was... No, Seen was at the Chabad World Headquarters in Brooklyn, measured 60 feet long and 8 feet wide. Whoa. Yeah, officials say it wasn't properly enforced either. So last night, a cement truck filled the hole at the building on Eastern Parkway. This oh, this is where the um, the, Ash, um, the Lubavitches, they were starting to fill the holes in. As I said, they should have put down some bloody cockroach spray in there first and watch them all come out of all the different holes they would have seen, all the other holes that they were coming out with. There's another video that's getting around as well about this. There's actually the south side that's got a tunnel system and it's actually under the haunted video section. They've gone down into it and there's this freaking creature down there, guys. They don't know what the hell it is. It's like humanoid thing. They've even caught it on the camera a bit in a hole and then they went into this other section 
and there's some very um there's death written back the front or something like that there's pitch things in the um thing and there's a big writing that says have you seen it so they go into the second part of this tunnel apparently there's a, quite a big tunnel system on the south that hasn't been talked about as well and this one was actually made in the second world war it's that old so that's a fairly old tunnel that one and there was about five of them went down there i think they were just independent or just you know layman's from the street. I don't know what they were. They'll, they'll document in the event anyway. I don't know if they're officials or they look more like just probably like ghost hunters or just cave hunters, something like that. So they've gone down there and this freaking thing was at this hole and it just took off. Um, so they went into this hole in another entrance and a big room and all that with other, you know, tunnel systems. And they heard this bang and noise and all this down the end of it. So they went down. There was a few like junctions going off. And um, as I got to the end, they come around, you hear this almighty scream and um, holy, you know, F this and all that. And they started running and they're scared shitting themselves and let's get the bloody hell out of here and all this. And you could hear this single was sort of like chase them for a couple of steps or something. Or probably about 10 foot after them and then seemed to have stopped. But they, yeah, they just kept doing the Harry Butler to get the hell out of there. So that was pretty bloody freaky. And this thing was in complete darkness. I mean, they had to use torches and everything. It was just completely black. So whatever's living down there or dwelling um, seemed to be about the size to me, the way it looked in the tunnel, probably about five foot maybe. Um, um, it was really hard to make out. You could sort of make out the size of it before it took off. And then these, um, they went after it. And then you know, they obviously come around a corner. I gather they'd seen this freaking thing and, you could hear it scream as they one of them went around and they just, yeah, they just sort of all just you know, shit themselves and started doing their Harry Butler and getting out of there as quick as they bloody could. So that was the other south side. I think that was just taken uh, probably in the last day or two. I'm investigating that side, saying there's a biggest tunnel system actually over there that was built in World War Two. But that one goes for about 35 minutes. If anyone would like that, I could probably get that through to you. Um... Future Proverbs by Citizen Journalist from Andrew. No, no, that's that's a long one. Yeah, that's Andrew Breitbart. Um, I'll play a little bit of him, actually. I don't mind Breitbart. Um, all right, I'll just play from here. Drudge Report. He does. Now an even okay. bigger change. Let's happened. have a quick listen to this Anyone couple of months. can bring us the news. Bloggers cover stories the mainstream media. Yeah, ignore. this is interesting because so, I'm going to actually play from from the start here. I forget the um, interview. Yeah, I'm going to bloody play a bit of this. I'm going to play it for seven minutes and then we'll have an open line if anyone wants to call in about anything. I reckon that'd be good. So we're at the hour and eighteen minute mark. So I'll take it down to the eight hour thirty. I reckon. Yeah, let's let's play this with. Oh, look, frick it. It goes for fourteen minutes. Let's have a quick listen. We'll at least listen to bright part. I don't know if anyone knows Paul. Uh, Paul Revere, he's been around the traps for a while too. So, um, all right, let's get into this. It's called Future Probes. Um, I gather that's the name. It doesn't actually have the name of his site on here. The Yeah. Okay. So this is from Andrew Breitbart to Paul um, Revere to you and me. Let's check this out. It's about journalism. So this is something right up my alley actually and people that actually get on here. Um, we're sort of like semi-journalists, I guess you could call it, alternative journalists. So let's have a bloody listen to this, and then we'll have a call in line, I reckon. We'll see if we can take it out to the 14, if it's bearable. I haven't listened to the whole bit. I only listened up to Breitbart. And I'm not sure of the bloody presenter, though. I might say his name up down the bottom when he comes on. 
after working for an NBC station, then CBS, then ABC, I finally declared some independence and came here to Fox. And here I'm much more independent. They let me say stuff here. This is obviously going back a couple of years ago. You know, this is when Breitbart obviously was still alive. Yeah. So I'm glad Fox exists. Exists. I'm even glad CNN exists. More choice is good. It's easy to forget that just a few years ago, there was so much less choice for most of my career for a story to get a national TV. Looks like early 90s by the presenter and just, you know, that, you get that vibe off the, the picture and that. I'd say it'd be pretty close to that. It had to be approved by the stuffed shirts. Maybe late ABC, 80s. CBS. I reckon more. Maybe PBS. Early 90s. That's about all we had. Cable channels changed that. And now an even bigger change has happened. Anyone can bring us the news. Bloggers cover stories the mainstream media ignore. So do people using YouTube, Twitter, and so on. So they are, that would be more than, that would be a bit more 20 years ago, I guess. journalism yeah. more than anybody. Bloggers, Andrew YouTube. Breitbart started out working on the yeah. brand new and suddenly popular Drudge mm -hmm. Report. Then he started his own website, biggovernment.com, which helped take down Acorn, and so, more recently yeah, helped take to the down late, late Congressman 90s, Anthony Weiner. So why do they bring this stuff to you all the time, Andrew? I, how do you get all these stories? Well, I get the stories that the mainstream media won't cover, uh, and they tend to be left of center stories. If somebody came to me with the David Vitter story or the Cong uh, or the Governor Sanford story, of course, I would do it. I, Two I, seven, I'm Scott? passionate yeah, about probably the story. Right, yeah. so anybody watching I'm not sure when Breitbart died, something actually. on their cell phone camera and isn't getting somewhere with their local media, if they go to biggovernment.com, you'll may spread the word if it's interesting. I've, I, I go to speeches and I give out my cell phone number. I give my, my email is andrew at breitbart.com. <clears throat> we were able to break the Anthony Weiner story because somebody tweeted to me at 7.30 at night on the Friday before Memorial Day. I'm incredibly accessible because but, I but want this wasn't to break a the secret story. It was around other media had it. They were covering it. They were at first saying, oh, yeah, I believe he was hacked. But it wasn't just your story, but it became your story. How come? Well, actually, we were the first ones to report that there was a tweet uh, that, that, that contained that uh, gray bulge underwear. But it was all night. He's getting closer now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, you're probably picking up where, where he's at in time. Yeah. Passing to two twelve, did he? Okay, yeah. This was published. I said the publisher was in twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Two twelve. Okay, so yeah, probably pretty, pretty spot on there around two seventy. Yeah, for sure. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, all the way into Tuesday, that the mainstream media tried to stop the story uh, from happening. Tried to take his side. Some even called me the hacker. It reminded me of thirteen years ago when Matt Drudge broke the Monica Lewinsky story, and for five full days, the media... There you go. Add 13 years to the Monica Lewinsky story, and you got the date, the year. <laughs> there you go. Tried to stop We're getting the that. dam from breaking. Uh, they can't control the dam from breaking anymore. And they called Matt Drudge a liar. They... Uh -huh. <laughs> Well, what have we got here? We've got popcorn time, have we? Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight pot of Paul Revere on April. 
Triple 18 and 75. Hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. The rhythm's too good to forward it, guys. He said to his friend, if the British march by land or sea on the town tonight, hang a lantern in the highest arch of the old church tower as a signal of light. One if by land, two if by sea, I on the opposite shore will be ready to ride and spread the alarm to every little village and every little farm for the country folk to be up and off. And then he said good night and with muffled oar, silently rode to the Charleston shore. Shore walked Paul Revere. Now he gazed at the landscape far and near, but mostly he watched with eager search the belfry tower of the old North Church. And lo, as he looked to the belfry height, a glimmer than a gleam of shimmering light. But the old Paul Revere's getting a bloody good intro, isn't he? Eh? He springs to the saddle. The bridle he turns and pauses and lingers till fold on his sight. A second lamp in the belfry burns, a shape in the moonlight, a bulk in the dark, and beneath and the pebbles in passing a spark. And yet, through the gloom of the pale moonlight, the fate of a nation was riding that night, and a spark struck out by the steed in flight, kindled the land into flame with You know the rest in the books you read How the British regulars fired and fled How the farmers gave them ball for ball From behind each fence and farmyard wall Chasing the red coats down the lane Then crossing the field to emerge again I like it. Under the tree at the turn of the road Only to pause to fire and load That song's about. Oh, I guess it's Paul Revere. Well, the old Breitbart didn't get a bloody intro like that. I'm the Pied Piper. I can't do it all by myself. Every time I go to a tea party or an event like this, I say, okay, guess what? You're anointed. You're in. Oh, this is going back now to bloody Andrew. Okay. Let's give him a go. Hey, he had some bloody hair back then in this one. You're now, everyone here, 
Katie Kirk, everyone here is now a journalist. They're now competing with you for the next job. That's what's happening. If they're not going to report the truth, if they're not going to report the true American narrative, then we're going to do it, and we're going to supplant every network, every anchor, every reporter, and we're going to put them all and banish them on current TV. And the next step after that, you'll be shot. That's what we're going to do. One by one, we're going to fill up current TV. It's just going to be a network of freaks. The other mode... Suicided. Suicided with hands behind his back. Five bullets in his head. Say hi to the Nixon Library. Oh yeah, hold on, let me just, I don't know why I'm doing this. Hey, hey say hi. Hello. Hello, this is Christian Hartsock. Christian, are you a citizen journalist? Yes, I am. Uh, where are you right now? I'm in Columbus, Ohio. And what are you doing right now? I am about to, I'm working on a new story uh-huh. to rebut the lies, the absolute lies. Is that what he's probably on about then, Scott? Paul Revere, he warned the colonists that the British were coming at the beginning of the American Revolution. Cheers, man. I actually know that freaking name. I'm sure that's a bloody another journalist. I'm bloody positive there's another journalist by the name of that. We'll see what happens as it goes along. MSNBC. And is, does this relate to the unions, the propaganda, and the coordination of the Democrat media complex against the American people? <laughs> and how much money am I paying you to do this? Uh, I don't believe you're paying me anybody. That's a great business model. I love America. <laughs> Christian, I'm going to call you after my speech. These people love you. Do you get it? Do, do you get it? That guy met me through James O'Keefe. We're social networking our way into their brains and freaking them out. And it's not just about exposing them. It's not about getting in their faces and saying to Richard Trumka, bring it on. Bring it on. There are more of us than there are of you. Bring it on. Okay, we've got four minutes, guys, and then we'll have an open line if anyone would like to call in after this.
Let's say this down. Scott's put some things here in the in the chat room. Might as well read that while the song's going a bit in the background, eh? In contrast to the left green liberal government in Germany, the United Kingdom outlines the plans for the biggest expansion of nuclear power for 70 years to reduce electricity bills, create jobs, and improve energy security. Another one is brought up here. White people joining the United States Army have declined by nearly 50% over the last five years, hinting a record low in 2023. Hmm. There's a lot, doesn't it? We've got the bit of the same problem here in Australia, actually. They're talking about recruiting immigrants from who knows bloody where into our army. Very interesting. Oh, and police force, mind you. The shift in demographics for incoming recruits would be irrelevant to war plan war planners except it coincides with an overall shortfall of about ten thousand recruits for the army in twenty twenty three. Anyone's welcome to call in. If not, I'm just going to take it out with what I've got on my little folder 101. Let's see where it leads us. Welcome in, Scott. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, all right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, no, I'm just trying to get out of Vegas. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to hit the road in another hour or two. And... Get the hell out of this town. <laughs> what? Are you, go, are you going for good, are you? Or are you just going for work or something? Work, pleasure, play? No, I've been working. I've been working out here all week. Um, it's a slightly difficult place to work. Um, you know, uh, you see a a quite different um, work ethic out here. Uh, for for general industry, like I work in the banking industry, and uh, everything's a problem here. And uh, like I, I gave somebody a, a de like a definition of it. Like so, in the state of Arizona, I've got two major problem childs for the whole entire state. Las Vegas has five. So. You know, there, there's like, for instance, there's one issue in the city, like big giant issue, like I'm having here, um, in the city of Phoenix and the city of Phoenix is almost 6 million people. Yeah, right. We got half a million people in Las Vegas and they can't get anything together because huh. this, this city runs on a, on a, you know, on a different power supply. We'll, we'll, we'll call it that. It doesn't run on the normal American power supply. Let's put it that way. Ah, right. Yeah. So it's, it's completely uh, from the other states, pretty much, of how they run theirs, all their cities. Yeah, it's uh, everything is focused on the gambling, and and there's just not much effort put on anything else. So... 
That's more the Vegas area so, yeah. you're talking about in Vegas itself. Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I actually really like the state of Nevada. I think the state of Nevada is gorgeous. Um, the, the, the towns, the, the people who have lived here for a long time, they're, they're always fantastic. It's funny you mentioned so, that. No negative. I was just talking to my son two days ago, and we both picked Nevada if we were to move to America. That's funny you mentioned that, actually. <laughs> I I would say I would say it's it ranks up there pretty good. I think it's probably one of the top five states if you look at uh, laws and freedoms and um, the the way the the cost of living compared to what you're getting and. Um, it's not, not necessarily a bad pick. And I almost want to call it an unknown pick because everybody thinks, uh, Nevada, they think Las Vegas, they don't think of anything else, but yeah, if, if you can find a, a way to make a living outside of Clark County here, um, you, I think you're doing pretty good. So I've even had a little bit of interest in Reno. It's a, obviously a little, little shitty casino town too, but um, it's high desert over there and you could, within an hour, you could be up in the Tahoe region of California among some of the largest trees and beautiful lakes and, you know, and then you can just go back home, you know? <laughs> so it's going ahead, you reckon, or is it sort of stagnant where it's at or is it looking like it's just going to no, boom a bit? I think, uh, uh, like I said, I think it's a little bit of a secret here. I think outside of Clark County, there's a lot of, there's a lot of growth. Um, um, there's a lot of people who are figuring it out. Um, and I think right now it's like, it's all for the taking. Like you, you find a nice little, little spot outside of town. Um, I know a, a couple of people who live like going towards the Utah, like you, you go out of Vegas, you go towards Utah. There's towns like St. George in Utah, but like before you get there, there's all these new communities. Um, yeah. If you could figure out a way to have a decent living and, and live kind of like not in the hubbub of the strip. <laughs> yeah, so my family is east of, uh, of Reno. So my my dad grew up in Lovelock. Okay. And, and just about uh, everybody except for him and his youngest brother, um, they went to uh, Winnemucca. Wow. So, I mean, like that whole area, Reno, Lovelock, Winnemucca, all the way in through Salt Lake City, like that's, that's the corridor. That's the family's main corridor. Right. Yeah, oh, it's, it's a beautiful area. Very beautiful. Yeah, I, I really, I really, like I said, I almost think uh, a lot of people just kind of, for me, it feels like it's almost like a secret. Like a lot of people, I mean, they just always go straight to Vegas and. Yeah, yeah. And, and, they, and they go around it. They don't, they don't even actually look at what's there. They just kind of pass through on the way to something. They never actually stop to look at what's actually there. Yeah, I, I and I and I think um, in the West, like you've got the northwestern states, and you know California is just awful. I I, I don't have a, a that much of fantastic stuff to say about it, except it's a beautiful place. Um, but sometimes that doesn't add up to what you need. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and then the the north the northwest is just 
to me, it feels like chaos. I, I would have no interest of moving to Oregon or the state of, sorry, Robert, the state of Washington. Um, hey, it, it, it seems it seems chaotic. It just seems so chaotic to me. I've looked into a East Washington and East Oregon. East, East, yeah, 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 they're yeah. both gorgeous. Right, right. And and then I'm like, ah, but you're still you're still under the umbrella. Yeah. yeah, you're so still Seattle, under the, the the your local people are probably fantastic, and the communities seem fantastic. Even mm-hmm. um, I've got family that like well, kind of extended family that's in Spokane, and. They okay. seem extremely happy living in Spokane. Like they've never said anything negative except for what goes on in like Seattle, in Portland. It's, it's a and nice small like, town. The same thing with like Baker City. Um, once you start getting into like Ontario, Idaho, like just gorgeous and yeah, nice little small right. towns. Like I mean, like th- that's the big city, right? Twenty, thirty thousand mm-hmm. people. <laughs> like, right, that's right. Perfect. That is perfect. And then you just, you know, maybe get something six miles out of town that's, you know, got a little bit of property, and there you go. But even in town, you got a, you got decent sized lots, decent. I mean, and a, and a nice old like west western era buildings. You know, like mm-hmm. modern western where it's it's. The architecture is 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 nice to look at. Very nice to look at. Right, right. This is not 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 a communist block. Right. Yeah. Right. It didn't look like uh, you know Kim Jong Un needed to like prove a point. Right. Which everybody's going that route. Um, yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know. It's one of the problems for me. If I had to say like something about Arizona, it's my problem is Arizona to me is like, you know, maybe teetering on maybe a top 10. I mean, definitely a top 15 state, (laughs) you know? And so if I improve, if I want to leave Arizona and and go to a better place, I got to be really picky. <laughs> like I got to be picky because otherwise I might just be trading for something that's for you know me and my family and you know my boys growing up. It's just going to end up being worse. Um, so it's it's hard to like figure out if you want to do that. Like if you want to just like go off to another city and try it there, like. And and I honestly think Arizona's not so bad, right? It's like it's 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 okay. It's it's, it's good. Um, it might be slightly above average, so it's it's hard to compare. I mean, it's miles yeah. away from living in New York or California. I can tell you that. Right. Well, how big is Adelaide? Where, where's it? Where's that? Australia. Yeah. I don't even know the population of the states. I know we're about 26 million all up. I think it's probably around about 4 million. Four or five. But that's in coverage in quite a big area. Okay. Yeah. So, are, yeah, but uh, I mean, you're in a spot where you've got a little bit of acreage. So, like, do you have any idea how big the town is that you're in? No, I, I reckon. Or, or are you kind of more in the city? South Australia, I guess, would be more instead of Adelaide. I'm not sure the population of Adelaide, but no, I'm, I'm not about to take it. 
film on the out there, out in the country a bit. Uh, okay. Bit of land out there, and I yeah, got ten acres where I am, and uh, the only the only downfall where I am it's in hundred year flood zone. That's about it. Apart from that, grass fires. You know, nothing real dramatic. The odd strong wind, you know, ninety kilometer an hour winds every now right. and then. Very rare though, but around Octoberish. But yeah, and it's just pretty, just flat lands out where I am, pretty much. But it's pretty diverse here because mm. you can just go up the road and you're up in the mountains and the frosts are where the wineries are, and you go down the other side, you're on the coast, you know. So it's pretty diverse actually. Adelaide, where we can actually go to the beach there one minute, out the wineries. And, yeah, yeah. Not much for the young guys here, though, but, you know, kids can muck around with things. But for tourists, and that, or just to get out and have a good day out, yeah, it's plenty of little sights to see and that sort of thing. Bit of a slow town to me, anyway, because I used to live in Sydney, so Adelaide's pretty just like sort of laid-back city. Not not too hard to navigate around, not too rush-rushed or anything. Sydney's pretty much the opposite. Bumper to bumper. Oh, okay. And- yeah, for some reason, I thought you were in Adelaide, not Sydney. No, nah, not with 10 acres, mate. I got that from. Multi-millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm not a... Uh, uh, just keep me away from, Yeah, just rather be out in a bit of space. I couldn't imagine living back in a city environment, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm not in actually Adelaide. No. Nah. So, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not sure the actual... I, I would say... I would say Paul G mentioned uh, Prescott and Sedona. Sedona might be a little weird to live in, like every day, but Prescott is probably, gosh, it's like I this could be possibly like the the actual gem in Arizona. Place is perfect. It's just about as perfect as you can get. Um, and if you can put up with the heat, uh, the river region isn't all that bad like man if, if you're if you're fine living in 115 degrees like living in lake havasu I, it's gorgeous there just a hot as shit i mean it's almost like unhuman tolerable i don't know the right way to say it but it's just it's really hot but it's gorgeous there and you know you could roll down the street with your boat and just go drive around a lake and People come and party, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And in the background of Havasu, there's like this whole like little small town feel, like old Arizona small town kind of stuff. Um, so you go from one extreme to the other on a small population town. But Prescott's gorgeous. Used to be our state capital, our territory capital, actually. Um, the architecture there is just phenomenal. It's in the trees. You get snow in the winter. It's a little warm in the the summer. Everything's perfect. Perfect four season place to live. Great people. It's a true gem. Californians are moving there like crazy and buying everything up and blah blah blah. But it's it'll always remain what it is. Where would where if oh young, yeah if you're a young family where would be the best place do you think as a state and like city or town overall like if you're a- <sighs> that's that's going to be subjective from person to person I, I I think like yeah like I mean you got and then you what, what do you add into that to be to be fair um, like 
I, I don't I don't know. Um I, a lot of people would disagree with me. I, I like Florida a lot. Um but a lot of people don't like Florida or they've got things that they don't want to live in that part of the country. Um, but I think Florida is a great state. Um, you, you said family. Yeah. Like a young family. You, know, you got a young, yeah, just young. Family. Yeah. It's, it's really, really rough. Um, yeah. I think if, if you were in Florida on the outskirts of suburbs of like maybe one of the Northern towns, like maybe, maybe Tampa, that kind of, kind of thing. Like, it's a great place um, if you pick Florida for that. I mean, if you wanted to live in the Northeast, I, I would I would look into places like New Hampshire, you know, so you're not in the bustle of the city, but you still get that beauty because that area is gorgeous. It's like what no one ever talks about. Like even where like Shep lives in New Jersey, everyone talks shit about New Jersey. There's absolutely no reason to talk shit about that state. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, they always say it's like has garbage in it and blah, blah, like, well, okay. Yeah. There's a bay between New York and New Jersey and yeah, they got garbage ships that go down it. Yeah. So, but you don't say that about New York. Um, but, but yeah, the, the, the coastal area in the Northeast, I would say, yeah, like New Hampshire is a good one to look into just really matters. I think if you're in the South, I think Eastern Tennessee is just, I mean, that might be what you're you're more looking at. I mean, if you're talking about family, small town, you know. Yeah, I was I was wondering about the Ozarks. Right. If that might fit. Yeah, just don't stay out of West Tennessee. Go to East Tennessee. Um, I think it's a beautiful area. Yeah, I was just thinking more on your side, um, not mine. You know, someone, you know, a young family in the United States that wanted to get out and move somewhere to because they're struggling too much in their state. You know, what would be the best opportunity for them? financially to do that you know to get some sort of a dream out of their life you know yeah and if you if, if you like go if florida makes you go oh i can't go there it's too hot or whatever like if you did that um if you're a cold person and you love the cold um i mean there's places like south dakota it's a very up-and-coming state it's growing like crazy right now there's shit tons of jobs there they almost double the numbers of of uh, families making more money every year, um, you know, great cities, great communities, all, all of that kind of thing. I mean, but that's definitely not going to be for everybody. Um, I mean, those are like some of the the odd picks I think people wouldn't normally grab. Like I even said, Nevada might even be for the West. Yeah. Nevada might be a great place to like find a new up and coming community, you know, if I find something that's out there, like in Nevada, they can justify it for employment. Though, if you move there, oh, th- there's there's a shit ton of where I mean, I mean, like obviously there's the whole entertainment industry, um, but there's yeah, it's also there's also aerospace out here. Like so, if you're you have any linked link to that mining, yeah, mining. yeah cool. definitely. I mean, there's mining down where I live. Like my mining is a good portion of even the tech jobs. Right, and you have to you have to think like my, mining's not like a one a one trick pony, um, you know. Like for instance, I've applied for a couple of jobs. I applied for one with Caterpillar. I applied one for one with Komatsu as a as a technical analyst. So and it was in the mining divisions. 
So, you know, you know, like, uh, like, uh, truck logistics and stuff like that. They, they pull all that data, data every day. They have to, you know, rebuild it and, and put it out there again. So how, how to improve everything. They, they've got a lot of tech jobs in that industry. Probably one engineer. So wouldn't they or mechanic, mechanical engineers or diesel mechanics? Sort of well, I can tell you, there's this uh, there's this little shithole town in Arizona called Morency, and it is like you would never want to live there. Uh, I, it might be fine to be there, but everybody in that town makes a shit ton of money. It's a full mining town, and I'm talking about like if you get a job there, driving a pickup to go like run parts or something, you're probably going to be making $35 an hour living there. Pretty good. Like I'm talking about you're, you're you're like on the bottom of the barrel of, of there. You, you make way over 30 bucks an hour. Everybody in town, like nobody makes 60,000 there. Everybody makes more than that. And if you're driving one of those big mine trucks, moving rocks all day, those guys are making 80, 90, People who've been there for a while, 120, you know, like it's, I mean, there's, there's, a, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, that's like, it's this pure laziness. I don't want to drive in those big trucks and be bouncing around like a crazy person. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be overly hot. I'm lazy when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, if like you're looking for the big, big bucks, right? Young, young, young fellow would bloody handle that, all right. You know, in his twenties and that, but he get out there in a few years, ten years. Yeah, got, got, got to feed a couple kids. Got has a has a wife who's going to put up with yeah. with uh, his I'm dirty boots like every day. Yeah, you got to bring your wife with you because good luck. Sounds like a, yeah, sounds like a little gold mine. There's a lo- you, you know what I'll say. There's a lot of women in Morancy that are single mm-hmm. because they've gotten divorced. Yeah, usually. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you get divorced yeah, out alimony or something. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like there's so there's a lot of women out there. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the guys. I mean, you, you know how guys are with work. It's like, like, oh, that sounds cool. They go do it for like you know two years, and they're then somebody else has a shiny something shiny over in the other corner, and they're like, I'll go do that for you. Know, like I'm gonna move and like you know. Yeah, happens in like I'd do for that I'd do that for two years and just do nothing else why not <laughs> just shuttle the money aside who cares yeah yeah that's what a lot of people I, I've talked to uh, most people I've ever talked to they have full families right that live out there they just live off of Amazon yeah, yeah. Well, you kind of gotta like but food even that's what's crazy is like they they only have so much food in town so their dry goods and stuff, they they order those on Amazon. Oh, so yeah. you know, it's just weird. It's like it's weird, like you know, ordering like you know a six pack of chicken noodle Campbell soup yeah. on Amazon. It's just weird to me. It's like an odd, you know, like you know they they got produce there. I think. But I think they, like they do that. Own. You know, I, I could drive in and it cost me a fortune, all the hassle and bustle. You know, and I can just go online to a main big shop, a bit like an Audi sort of shop, and I can order all, everything I bloody need for $4 delivery right at my door. Why not? You know? <laughs> right. You do it, right. Yeah. right. They just don't They just don't have that kind of delivery. Yeah. 
over there. Yeah. Someone should there's there's the there's nothing. There's like that town has like it has like two general stores and like two restaurants. Yeah. Like a regular like a breakfast cafe and like a Mexican food place. Like that's it. You know. And it's a town of like sixteen thousand, which actually isn't that small. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's really not that small. Like, but you go there and you're gonna go. What does like five hundred people live here? Like, that's what it feels like. Like, you know, it, it it seems maybe even a little bit smaller when I I've driven through there than the town I'm moving to that has five thousand people. So, so why is that? Like, that almost doesn't make any sense. It's just not spread out, or is it? You're only there to do one thing. There's nothing else you would ever go there for. Like, even the natives have have abandoned Morency. Like, the natives don't even live there anymore, and that's native country up there. So, like, it's not, you know, like, if you were going to drive into, like, a place that had, like, a couple more things, like, maybe, like, a jack-in-the-box or a McDonald's or whatever, you probably would be driving into Globe, San Carlos area, or you could drive south to Safford and Thatcher. Safford and Thatcher is a weird place. I mean, all those places are, like, really isolated. Like, 30 miles, 40 miles? No, no, no. You're, like, like... The Safford and Thatcher area is probably uh, close to an hour, oh, wow. and then and then San Carlos and Globe going so that's going towards Phoenix is probably about forty five minutes, sixty miles an hour. So, okay. yeah, well, like, it's out there. That's out there. It's out, it's out there. So you really need to rely on what you can get there. You know, I know that, like I said, I know the FedEx and the Amazon and the UPS. I know those trucks are just like hauling ass down that road like every freaking day. Is it like more isolated than where Brett lives? Because if he's got to go to Fairbanks, you know, for his meat and groceries. Yeah, he he does. Um, He's pretty isolated. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty isolated. I mean, there are like there are some places in Arizona that are more isolated than even he is um, still to this day. Like if you ever wanted to see really weird shit like the, there's a city called Young in Arizona. There's the old rim highway that goes from basically like Phoenix out to the middle of New Mexico, and it goes along the high country. So the uh, like roads that go eight thousand feet up. I mean, we're talking alpine level alpine trees in Arizona. Right. Um, so about about maybe a third to close to a half of that road from that distance from New Mexico to Phoenix, you you get off that highway and you go 20 miles down a dirt road, literally a dirt road to the city of Young. And it's the most isolated city. I mean, I've even heard that it's one of the most isolated cities in the United States. And it's because of the road, pretty much. Um, 
you can get there. That's the, the easy way to get there. There's another way to get there. Like I mentioned, the city globe. You can go from globe and go up there, but it is it is ridiculous. It's like 45 minutes of pave, and then over an hour of dirt to get to to get there. And and once you're on dirt, you're not going too quick. Right. Well, and and it's un like it's maintained, but you know, I want to almost say it isn't maintained. I've been out there. It is. It's heaven out there. It doesn't take much to unmaintain your dirt. Right. Like a like a rain, like a a a slightly heavier than normal rainstorm, and it's all done. You got you got you got ruts and everything else. Would you guys like yeah, to wrap it up? The two minute thing just moved up, so we're getting close to them cutting us out. We're right at the end. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us on, letting us mumble. Thanks for letting us take over your take over your thing with our local geography lessons. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that's what that's what I like. Yeah, no worries there, man. Anytime. All right, guys, well, we might as well just shut it down because, well, they're going to shut it down on us anyway. So, yeah, well, thanks for joining. Yeah, good good listening. I learned a lot about bloody that part of America. That's for bloody sure. I reckon that is an opportunity zone for sure. 16,000, though. You'd think it would warrant some sort of bloody, you know, like even a big roadhouse or something, eh? Friggin' Walmart, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, well, take care, guys. I'll catch us um, around tomorrow night or somewhere around, no doubt about it. Okay, see you, Scott. See you later. Okay, bye, guys. Danger in the shape of something wild. Stranger dressed in black, she's a hungry child. No one knows who she is.